Hey, listeners, if you enjoy using STEM or STEAM with students, today's episode will get you flowing with ideas. Welcome to the iHeart STEAM podcast with your host, Bonnie Kirkley. Bonnie has been working in the STEAM education profession for the past 12 years. Her mission is to share her story with educators like you that love STEM, STEAM, and project-based learning. Currently, she works with a team of educators creating the ultimate STEAM certified school. Let her share the good, the bad, and the joyful with you in her STEAM journey. Learn everything you will ever need to know about STEM and STEAM education right here. Now, here is your host, Bonnie Kirkley. Hello, hello, listeners. Today, I have a new STEAM friend with me, Sarah Lavon. Did I say that right? Yes, you did. I'm perfect. Sarah is joining us, and she is an amazing resource for science teachers in elementary and middle school, and also teachers just using STEM or STEAM in the classroom in an integrated fashion. So I can't wait to get started with today's episode and let you meet Sarah. Sarah, tell us all about yourself. Well, thank you, Madam, for having me. Um, I really was looking forward to this opportunity. Um, A little bit about myself. I am a career elementary school teacher. I taught special education for 13 years, K-4, and then I taught second grade for 18 years, and I finished up teaching uh, STEM, science, K-4, and enrichment um, through STEM. Um, I've been all over the place. I've been all over the place, but I feel like I've done the complete circle from kids that really need a lot of help to those that um, don't need quite as much. Yes. And that's a good thing to have. Sometimes we get very uncomfortable when we get asked to move into a different position, but it actually just makes us so much better. And I hope teachers that are having to do that right now, especially with the remote learning, are trying to embrace it and realize that you're just going to have more tools in your tool belt. Sarah, tell us a little bit about Sarah beyond teaching. You know, what? where are you living? What do you like to do? What's your day like? Okay, so um, I live in upstate New York um, with my husband, and my husband was also a science teacher. Um, he was a middle school science teacher, and Right now, um, he's involved in putting an addition on his woodworking shop. And uh, so we do play a lot out there. And I also enjoy myself and my personal time, a lot of reading, creating for uh, TPT. I do a lot of research. Um, I love watercolor painting. I just started that during covid Um I've always kind of been a crafter, and I've also started taking guitar lessons in retirement. So that's been fun. Um, We love being outdoors and hiking, and we love traveling. So I guess I feel very blessed that I had the opportunity to take this STEM position in my last uh, two years of my teaching career because it really has led me to seeing the world differently. So now even when we travel, I see the science of all the different things that we get to observe. Um, 
I have two grown children. They both live out west. One is a firefighter in Texas, and uh, the other lives in Arizona. And um, she has a job as an environmental specialist out there. So, oh, neat. I'm sort of the same way now on when we travel, and I'm always, can we go to the zoo? Or can we go to do this hike? And I want to go see this park really quick. I have to stop at the gift shop. I want to see if they have any books. Um, I might can use some sort of the same way. Um, that's really interesting. Tell us, well, actually, I want to go back and talk about, you mentioned that you are a TPT author. And Sarah has her store on Teachers Pay Teachers, if you're not sure what TPT is. And her store is the Science and STEAM team. And you can find the most amazing resources there. So you've been doing that for how long, Sarah? Um, This is my fifth year. Wow. And then not only does she have Teachers Pay Teachers where she is an author, she also has written three amazing children's books. And I have just enjoyed figuring out how I may incorporate them into my classroom. So I'm super excited about them. Tell us a little bit about the books and kind of where you are on your journey as a children's author right now. Okay, so um, I had this idea that I really would like to write uh, a children's book. Uh, and my f- the first book uh, that I wrote was called Pepito's Whiskers. And that is a true story about a blind cat. Um, And then the science aspect is, you know, he uses his whiskers as his sensing tool. Um, And just I talk about a lot of sciencey things in there. And it's also really a book about kindness. And uh, that came after I visited my son and his girlfriend. They both had worked at Best Friends Animal Society, which is one of the biggest... uh, animal shelters really in the world. Um, And so they have a special place in their heart for all kinds of animals. And they have uh, about seven pets and they always have a foster in their house. So uh, Carrie was telling me all about Pepito. And I thought, now there's a real world experience um, that I could write about. So that's how I wrote that story. Um, And my niece Lakin Hall is the illustrator of that story. Oh, interesting. Wow. Yeah. Okay. I'm really interested in this story because something that teachers, I think they genuinely are always trying to connect with students, but sometimes we get focused on a curriculum task, something that we have to do in a standard and we skip over that part. But this book is great for that because most of our students have all had a pet. And if they haven't had a pet, most students just love animals. So a way to bring science into their life with this book and then also connecting on that pet aspect and then getting them to investigate more with pets and animals that they have at home. I love that whole concept. Um, tell us, tell us like one thing that Whiskers, one of his little adventures, it's Pepito's, right? Yeah. Tell us something Pepito's does in the book that we might be interested in. 
Um, well, one of the things very sweet, which I got to see myself, he has uh, a cat, basically a scratching post, but at the top it has a stand. So it's probably up about four feet in the air. And cats can sense with their whiskers so they can feel vibrations. And at night when you walk by, he can sense that you're coming by and he stands up and he puts his paws out. And if you put your face near him, he'll put his paws on each side of your face like he's giving you a kiss goodnight. Oh my goodness. Wow. That is so neat. And my neurons are just always firing. And the minute that you said vibration, you know what I was thinking about teaching? What? Oh, it's sound. All of those sound and sound waves, you know, those are, that's a hard thing to teach, but here you can bring animals and sound together. I love it. Yeah, I love it. Actually use those vibrations cats do to, you know, find the mice and things like that. Um, Use their whiskers to measure getting through areas because their whiskers are out to the side and that means they don't really want to touch things with their whiskers. So they find a place that they can scooch in kind of where their whiskers maybe just not touch. Well, I've got my books ordered. They have, like I've told you, it seems like books are taking kind of a while to come in on Amazon for some reason. But anyway, mine are coming in and I can't wait. I'm passing it to our fourth grade teacher so that when he gets to his sound unit, he can now add the whole concept of cats and their whiskers. Love it. Sarah has actually written three books, which I mentioned before. Tell us about your other two books, Sarah. Okay. Well, the other two books, the first book I wrote was about plant adaptations. And the reason I wrote that is uh, when I was teaching plant adaptations um, as a science teacher, there was really nothing out there for children. Um, And even on TPT at that time, because one night I was like, ooh, I've got to teach plant adaptations tomorrow. Um, With animal adaptations the week before, I was able to find, you know, websites for kids. But I wanted to make sure I chose the right websites for kids. So I was searching for plant adaptations and there just was nothing. It was all more on like a college level. So I quick had to write some passages that they could use. So research and write uh, and then refine. So they use those. And over time, that has become my bestseller on TPT. So why not write a book? Because there are really no books for kids out there on plant adaptations. So I did that. And then when I was at it, I said, well, I also um, love animal adaptation. So I'll make one that's pretty much a partner book with that book. Yes. So that's how that came about. So I'm going to put in the episode notes for the show links to all three books, Pepitos and, Whis- and His Whiskers, Plant Adaptations and Animal Adaptations. But teachers, if you're listening, something you need to know in Sarah's Teachers Pay Teacher Store, you can find resources to support reading these books in your classroom, right, Sarah? Yes, you can. What are some of the resources, like an example, maybe of one that they could look for? Well, if you look up plant adaptations, I have um, a couple of resources that have 
reading passages. One of them is very similar to what the book is, and then they can use the graphic organizer at the end to uh, put in the information they found. I find students like that better than just answering a question. They're really answering a question, but they don't realize it's a question. (laughs) Right, because they've got the graphic organizer, a shape, a nice, cool place to put it. Yeah. Um, and I have some posters on plant adaptations that they might really enjoy. I've really been pushing this for, I guess, um, a little bit of background about me where I work, we're working on steam certification. So that requires not having just a steam teacher that students see maybe once a week, but every single teacher at the school, K through five, incorporates STEAM on a daily basis in multiple subjects. And so to me, the easiest way to do this is in writing and reading so that you can use the content for your reading. And then obviously when they're writing for science um, explanations and things, you can incorporate, you know, what good writers do those skills and strategies. So I love that you've given us passages, you've given us resources for English language arts. It's just the whole complete topic that you need with everything there for STEAM. I love it. Do you have um, any other goals for the future as a children's book author by chance? Uh, Mom, we have discussed, and I think it will happen. It's a matter of when we can squeeze it in, which really should be soon. But my husband and I are thinking about writing um, a book on climate change for children. Oh, that's good. That can kind of keep it in a a positive realm. Um, Yes. Things that they can do to really help the environment rather than being real negative about things. Well, and it's scary when we introduce some of those things to them what could happen. Mm-hmm. So that's a, good, a great idea. And then you use a lot of the next generation science standards a lot. And climate change is one of the topics that's interwoven throughout those standards. So that's a really great idea to, and there's probably not very many books out there directed towards children. No, I, I would assume. Not. I would assume. So tell us a little bit about your experiences as a teacher and author. Just what's been the most memorable or fulfilling thing that's happened since you've been on this journey? Um, Well, one of the most memorable things, I think, is um, back years ago, I had a second grade student and she was she was just one of those little girls that loves school. She loved everything about school. And she told me she was going to be a teacher when she grew up. And then years later, when she was in high school, she came in and she did her observations in my second grade classroom. And then she went to college to become a teacher. And again, she did part of her practicum in my classroom when I was a science teacher. So she got to change. um, Full circle. You know, she got to do the full circle. And then um, she did that the year I was retiring. And so I was going through things. And every year I kept a couple of letters from students about what the best thing about second grade was. And I had kept hers and I was able to give it to her. So she could see too then how much, you know, 
teachers really bond with their students. Yeah, they make a huge impact that lasts decades. We don't realize it often, but we do. And it's hard because we touch so many lives. I'm not one of those teachers that's very good at remembering every single one. And some people have that skill and I just don't. But I remember things that happen more than I can remember names and faces. So I love it when they come back and they remind me of who they are. So I I enjoy when they come back and they change so much. It's so hard from second grade to a college student. Oh, like, who are you and how tall are you now? I know. It's a different one. My husband, he's in junior high and he can usually recognize his kids when we're somewhere, but me from second grade to it's hard or even high school. Very few kids can I actually recognize, which I feel terrible about. No, I, I'd feel awful, but it's hard. They change so much from, I was a first grade teacher to start out and it is just difficult. There's a few that they just, oh, you could always see that face and then their face just keeps that sweet, you know, look, but many of them just grow up and get so adulty looking and wow, they change a lot. Yes. All right. Well, moving on, let's think about teachers today and what they're going through with remote learning and know that not all of them are that way, but everyone has stress. What would you say to a teacher to encourage them to keep trying to use STEM in the classroom? Well, I guess I would just say go for it because I feel like it is so important for the kids. We, you know, as elementary teachers, especially, I think we spend so much time on the ELA aspect and the math aspect of things and um, don't always engage all the kids that way, but changing over to science. And I even did quite a bit of science when I was in second grade um, as a teacher, I just find they are so engaged. They absolutely love STEM and science, and they will tell people it is their favorite subject. Um, So I really think it's motivating for them. So I think if you can do it and incorporate it somehow, even if you're doing virtual, um, the kids will really appreciate it. And I think that they'll be more apt to be engaged. Yes. And, you know, I have a lot of students that tell me sometimes, believe it or not, science is their least favorite subject. But what I find is that sometimes their teachers, it's also their least favorite subject. So I think it's important for us to remember to do some research and look into ways to make it hands on. Because the minute that you make something hands on and not seem like it's learning in any subject, you grab that attention and you get the engagement. So if you're uncomfortable with it, there are so many resources out there to help you and make you seem like you're a genius at science. So just do a little bit of research and you can do it. We promise you can. From teachers that weren't science teachers in the beginning, right? Yes. And I have to say, when I started um, my teaching science to all grade levels, there wasn't much out there. So one of the things I did do when I retired is I made um, NGSS aligned science units for K-5. And I have had so many teachers leave me feedback that this totally simplified their life. Um, 
They love science now. Their kids love science. And I have gone through and made all my resources digital, all the kids' pages. Um, wow. Made the directions and text boxes. So if anybody's looking to find an easier way into science or just approach it in a different way, you might find that helpful. So check out Science and STEAM Team Store on Teachers Pay Teachers. You just heard it. Everything you need to simplify it for you. And that has been my goal in my journey as a teacher author as well. It's just to simplify it. I just think sometimes we overthink. That's what we do. And we need it just a simplified way. And you can do it. We promise you can. So I was about to ask you what some of your best STEM tips and tricks were, but I kind of feel like you answered that question. Visit her store. But tell me, do you have any just things you always tell teachers to do or try out for STEM or any kind of trick you like doing in the classroom? Uh, Well, I think uh, with STEM as well as other subject areas, you've got to have classroom procedures in place. So kids know, you know, how to handle the materials, where to get them, um, where to put them away, what the voice level expectations are during STEM classes, because kids are excited. And, you know, right. they're excited, they get a little louder, which is fine, but there needs to be uh, some control within that. So I think if your kids just know what your expectations are, that's good, because Um, everybody's expectations are a little bit different. Right. You know, that's important. Rituals and routines are so, so essential in a well-run classroom and especially a classroom with lots of hands-on materials. And believe it or not, many students get uncomfortable when those parameters aren't clear because they feel unsure. I know my daughter is that way. She doesn't want to get in trouble and she wants to do the right thing. But when it's not clear, she gets real nervous. Whereas some students wouldn't, they wouldn't care. They wouldn't mind. And then others are just going to go with the flow. But, you know, remember there are students that just feel more comfortable, the more clear you are. And I know obviously sometimes that you figure out the rituals as you go. Well, I should have done this or I should have done that. Don't be afraid to try STEM or STEAM if you aren't sure the best way to go about something. Try it out and learn from mistakes. That's one of the best pieces of advice I know I could give is just try it out and learn from your mistakes. Sarah, I have so enjoyed having you today. I'm ready to have a little bit of fun. I warned her about how I like to play games. Are you ready to have some fun? I'm ready. Okay, well, I have to tell you, Yesterday was my birthday, and I turned 40. Well, happy so, Thank you. But while that's fresh on my mind, I actually um, was realizing, oh, wow, my birthday is in 1980. So every single 40-year-old that was born in 1980, and now for the next 10 years, all the 1980s, children, babies will be turning 40. So that's kind of fresh on my mind. So I thought we would do a flashback game to the 1980s. (laughs) Are you ready? Oh, I hope so. All right, here we go. What was the top grossing film of the entire 1980s decade? 
Just take a guess. 1980s. I don't know. E.T.? It was. What? Look at you. It was E.T. Totally go. Ding, ding, ding. You got one. How about that? Okay. Next question. I'm not like a movie buff either. (laughs) Here we go. Which popular news network launched on June 1st 1980. Hmm. I don't know if it's popular anymore, but it's certainly conversation worthy. I don't have a clue on that one. Well, I'll give you some hints. Think back, you know, 1980s, we have ABC, we have NBC. News network only delivering news all day long. I don't know, like the Weather Channel. <laughs> it was CNN. Yeah, I was. That was my absolute first thought was CNN, but then I'm like, CNN is still on. Yeah, well, it's popular. It's still popular. It's just controversial all the time. Yeah. All right. One more question, and then I'm going to ask you some that I know you, I'm going to ask you two that you can answer up for sure, but I bet you get this one. In this popular 1980 song, what was Jenny's phone number? Oh. I always have to play the beat. Dun, 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 dun. The beat's not even coming to me. I don't know. It was eight six seven five three zero nine. Okay, that was her phone number. All right, tell us what two of your nineteen eighties like go to songs were, or maybe they still are your go to songs. But just tell us, give us two that you like to listen to. Nineteen eighties. It was probably something by the, um, I loved Super Tramp. Cool. Uh, oh, yeah, I remember that one. Uh, one of their songs, though, I'm not sure. I like that group, and I love listening to the Doobie Brothers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like Doobie Brothers. Hmm. Uh, I guess Super Tramp, The Long Way Home. Okay. All right. Well, tell us about this. Now, imagine yourself. Were you teaching in the 1980s? What were you doing in the 1980s? Tell us. Were you going to college? 80s, I was in college. And I started teaching. Tell us your tackiest fashion trend that you participated in from the 1980s. 1980s. Um... Probably the bell-bottom pants. Yeah. There's a, I'm trying to think back. I liked those rubber bracelets. Do you remember? The, and jelly shoes. Oh, the jelly shoes. Yeah, but I didn't have any of those. I wore jelly shoes and those rubber bracelets. And anything hot pink and neon. Mm-hmm. Neon. I wore a ton of that stuff. Ton of it. Ton of it. Sarah, I've had so much fun with you today. I'm going to let you off the hook now. No more questions. <laughs> but you hit the jackpot with ET. Look at you. We have loved having you today. 
Listeners, you are amazing for being here. I want to encourage you to visit Sarah's store, Science and STEAM Team on Teachers Pay Teachers, and you can find all of her amazing resources, including the ones that support her books, and I will be putting all of those links in the episode notes. What are your final thoughts as we say goodbye, Sarah? Well, I just want to thank you very much for this opportunity. I've really enjoyed it. It's the first podcast I've ever participated in. Um, And just encourage everybody to get into STEAM. Perfect. Listeners, I'm so glad that you've been here. So much is happening in the world of education right now, and I'm excited. I'm excited for the new things that we're discovering, the new skills that we are finding that we have that we didn't think we had. I want to encourage you to, again, look at Sarah's resources. And also in the episode notes, I'm leaving a couple of STEAM resources for you so that you can figure this out and figure out how to do it. One is completely digital. I'm so glad that you came and joined us today, but I have just one last question for you. Do you I heart STEAM too? I definitely do. Me too. All right, listeners, we will see you in the next episode.